Hey, this is Andrea and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to go ahead and jump into the Word. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up with me. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And while you do that, I'm going to grab some water. Worship makes you parched. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at uh, verse number 14. That's how you know you did it well. If you start to get a little dry throat, that means you were actually praising your God. Right? Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 uh, reads like this. It says, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. And I'm not living for me. They should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, I love this verse, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Man, if you have something, stick it there in 2 Corinthians 5. We're certainly going to come back to that. But I want to give you one more passage of Scripture that will help us to, to kind of frame up this message before we jump into it in this, this series that we're doing called Forward. And this is the uh, third week in this series. So if you haven't listened to the previous weeks, you can actually check that out. You can go to, we have the podcast up on Apple, uh, iTunes. You can go to Google Play Store. You can find it there. Um, and so we'd love for you to do that as well. You can follow along with my notes. If you're watching us online, thank you for tuning in today. You'll see them pop up on the screen already. If you're uh, in service, you can obviously look at the screens, but as well, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. If you have the Bible app on your phone, if you go to More and Events, you can click on there. Just click in City Heart. You'll, it'll pull up there. And I leave my notes up all week so that you can go back and study. I actually had somebody ask for them yesterday. Uh, they had just gone down because we take them off on Saturday, but I was able to send them out because I still had them. But uh, man, make sure you go back and study on your own, please. Don't take just my word for it. Study on your own. Go back and look at the word for yourself because God's going to speak some things to you that I might not say, or even while I'm speaking, he's going to give a, a distinct message to you in this. So let's look at this. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 reads like this. It says, we love because he first loved us. We love 
because he first loved us. Loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. In this forward series, I'm going to preach a message today called First Loved. First Loved. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. For Lord, it's a day that you have made, God, and we rejoice and we're glad in it, God. And I'm, I'm just overjoyed with the excitement that we get another opportunity to come into your presence, God, and, and to look into your word and to hear what your word has to say to us today. God, I, I pray that as, Lord, I, I teach this word, God, that you, your Holy Spirit would, would, would move and, uh, through me, that, that it's not about me or what I have to say, God, but that what you want to get across, the message that you want your people to hear today is what comes forth. Lord, in, in any way that, that, that we have, God, just not done your will this week, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us. Lord, give us a, a, a clean and a pure heart so that we can hear clearly what your word is saying to us today, God. Let it, let it go into our ears and stay in our minds all week. Let it penetrate our hearts and live there and, and, and be dispersed through our actions, God, as we interact with others. Lord, let your love be the truth. Let it be the light that shines in the darkness in our lives. We thank you for it now, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. We all say together, amen. Amen. I love my job. I really do. I love my job. Um, my job as a pastor uh, really is, is, is to do what we're talking about, is to help people go forward, right? It's to help people become... Um, and, and it really equip people and help people to become all that God has spiritually um, called them to be. That's my job is to help you, to help and equip you. My, myself and my wife, it's our job to help and equip you to be all that God has called you to be. And, and, and the way that we do that, right, is through continuously imploring you to stay in or return to the process of spiritual growth. It's the essence of our job. It's, it's continually reminding you of why it's important and encouraging you in that way. Trying to get you to return to if you left it or to stay in it if you're in it, and hopefully you're in it, to stay in this, this path of spiritual growth that we're all on. And you can continue to spiritually grow over and over. It doesn't stop. It keeps going. Right, And so that's our job is to help you build, is to help you strengthen, right? is to help you master and move and execute and, and, and connect and progress in the Lord. I love my job. I love getting up here to do this. If, you, if anybody YouTube that knew me growing up as a kid would never think that I would be on this stage. Was I that terrible of a person? No, I wasn't. But I was a quiet person. I never thought I'd be the person standing up and communicating the gospel to people. I was a drummer, and I was cool with being behind the shield, back in the back of the room in the corner somewhere, playing to my heart's content, where nobody could see me, and, 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 and nobody could know what I was thinking or doing. But the, but the Lord placed a call on my life. And, and the Lord said, okay, son, I want you to go and do what I've called you to do. And that's to help people become all that God has spiritually called 
them to be. And that process that, that we get to do, right, that really we all have to figure out in ourselves is what would it look like if we lived our lives in the light? What would it look like if you came from behind the, you know, the dark corner, right, in, in the place where you're trying to hide and you brought literally everything that you are into the light? What would that look like? What would it look like if you brought your whole life into the light, eradicating the darkness, any dark area that might exist or persist in your life? What would it look like if you were finally able to get the monkey up off your back and, and, and you were able to get, man, all, everything that, that kind of is dark or holding you down, you feel like you have to hide or you feel like all that stuff. What would it look like if you could just, if you could just live your life in the light? If, if I'm totally transparent and vulnerable in this moment, and I'm going to be, Lord, help me, this year has presented some, uh, how do I put it, uh, some unique challenges, right, to being a pastor. Some unique, really, really unique challenges, and here's how, here's how I to put it, opportunities for creativity. <laughs> this year has done that for me, right? Has done that for us. It has put us in a position where we've had to rethink a lot of things, and go back to the drawing board and go back to the, to the original thing. On Wednesday, we were talking about, man, just resetting, <laughs> getting back to the original stuff, to the heart of what you do. But I, even with all of the challenges and all of the opportunities for creativity, I still love this job. You can't fire me. Don't even try. Don't, don't think, think about it. You can't do it, right? But I still love this job, and it's because I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in the purpose and the call that God has placed on my life. I believe that anyone that walks through those, do walks through those doors can still make progress in their life. They can still make a significant spiritual move from who they, who they were to who they want to be, that they, you can still move forward in your life. Even in this year, that's something that can still happen, that there is still some purpose in your life. There's still something that you can attain to that might be beyond what you thought you could do. That kid that played drums never thought he would be a preacher. He didn't want to. He didn't, he didn't like the idea of being the person that's up front and in the light in front of everybody. But because God called me, I recognized that there was purpose in my position. And because of that purpose of my position, man, I had to do things that maybe I didn't think that I would do before. And what he's called me to do happens in the light. And I believe for all of us that what God has called all of us to do occurs in the light. We've been reading 1 John 1, 5, right? It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. We've been reading it the last few weeks, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness. There's no hiding. There's no place of darkness in his life, right? And if, if we claim to have fellowship with him, big word there, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie, and we don't live out the truth. But, I love this part, but if we walk in the light, if we choose to walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's in the light where we experience two things we talked about last week. We talked about true freedom, right? 
where it's, that's a godly life that's lived without the need to hide or to strive in things. And we talked about true fellowship, right? It's, that's a real connection with God and with others where we're, we're in it together for mutual benefit. It's not just about me, but I recognize that me being in the light and me being in true fellowship actually is a benefit to somebody else. And that's really should be our purpose in it. And that's based on agreement and trust, right? And, and, and if I'm living true freedom and if I'm living in true fellowship, then what I will experience is a life that is whole, whole, meaning that there's nothing missing. I'm going to live a life that is, that is holy. Got quiet on that one, right? Living a life that is holy, right? It's a life that is separated unto God. And I'm going to live a life that is healthy, where the things that I do, the actions that I take are actually beneficial to my life. Everything that I do is whole, holy, and healthy. And so last week, right, we, we started talking about the, some core values that can help you get to that place. What can I do in my life that will help me to move forward? What is it that I should adopt that will help me to begin walking out and completely living forward in my life? What does that look like? And we said the first and the foremost thing that you should do, I'm going to give you seven, but I'm going to be one and two today. Here's the first one we gave you last week, and this is the most important one, and this one really encompasses the other six, but this one is the first one on purpose, and that is we follow Jesus. If you're going to live a life that is Going forward, if you're going to live a life that is whole, holy, and healthy, if you're going to live a life that, that where you have true freedom and true fellowship, you're going to do that when you follow Jesus. There's no other substitute. There's nothing else that I can give you. That's, that's the big deal right there is we follow Jesus. And we're saying that this way. We're saying, look, we're encouraging you, encouraging you to make a personal and sober decision to make Jesus the center of all that you do, the center of everything that you do. Why? Because he is a model for us, and he's a model that's worth following. And if we're honest, he is the savior that we all need. I need something in front of me to help model out sometimes what I can't see. I need something to be the center of my world. Why? Because it's really easy to make me the center of my world and what I want and what I desire and what I'm feeling and everything that I'm experiencing. I can make that the center and what happens? I start going in a direction that can destroy my life. But if I am following Jesus, who is a model that's worth following because of his faithfulness, because of his goodness, because of his integrity, because of uh, the way that he walks with the spirit, if the way that he follows God, if, if he's the center of my life, then that changes and that helps me to live a life that is walked in purity and goodness and holiness, right? The Bible says right, everything that is good and right and true. When I'm following Jesus, I have that. Right? And, and, and I can't fake the funk on that. You can't just say, well, you know, I follow Jesus. There's a lot of people that do. They say, you know, yes, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. Well, well look what the word says. 1 John 2, 4, 6 says, whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands again. It's like four verses that say this. I love it. There's a liar. You can't say you follow Jesus, but don't do what he says to do. Right? The person is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, 
Love for God is truly made complete in them. I love this. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You're saying, Lord, man, I'm accepting you um, I'm, a, a, as the model for my life. I'm accepting you as the center of my life. And, and, and because of that, I'm going to be a disciple. We talked about that last week. I'm going to be a person who believes in Jesus and seeks to follow him and his word in my daily life. I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to choose to put God's word into action through understanding and obedience of the word. And I'm going to seek to live a life modeled after Jesus by imitating his example in every way. This is, this is really our pursuit as believers. If I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm saying that I'm a Christian, if I'm saying that I believe in God and that I love God, then I have to be doing these things. This is, this is the basic stuff. You might be saying, well, Pastor Kevin, that's a lot. This is the bait. This ain't even the, the fun extra stuff you get to do. This is just the basic stuff. These are the basic things that we get to do, right? It's to imitate his example. Well, okay, PK. Well, I, I, I get that. How do I do that? How do I do that? How can I show that I'm truly following Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, Jesus is speaking here and he says to his disciples, he says, look, there's a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you want to know how you're following Jesus, he, he gives you literally the blue. He lays it out pretty clearly right there. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As you begin to follow Jesus, what is produced in you is change. And what will be produced through you is change, right? It's recognizing right, the change that occurs in you, but also the change that needs to happen in the lives of those that are around you. It's not just about you, but it's also about those that are around you. And where that change starts to happen as you follow Jesus, as you start to live this thing out, as you're saying, look, I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself, that, that change happens in your heart. It happens in your heart. It happens there. And there's, there's a change of heart that occurs when you start following Jesus, right? The, the darkness that existed in your life when you were out in the world doing and living for yourself, that, that, that the, the desire for that starts to dissipate when you start following Jesus. The taste is taken literally out of your mouth when you begin to follow Jesus and your perspective on yourself. And your perspective on Jesus right, begins to transform. There's change that happens where before, well, I don't know, I can't live with Jesus. This man is too much. Come on. We ever thought that? Like, ooh, that's a lot of rules. Every Sunday I got to be there? Whew. And volunteer? Wow. And you want me to get my money? Oh, wow. That's a lot. We, we get to the point where we, we might have thought that before, man, I can't live with Jesus. But when you start to follow your life, you, you change from I can't live with him to I can't live without him. 
There's something about following him, right, that helps us to start to see our purpose in life. 2 Corinthians 5, read it earlier, said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, look, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. What happened? Something changed. There was a change that occurred in them and through them, right? And it's, look, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Big part here, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation, this, this restoration of relationship, if you want to know what it means. So we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal right through us. He's saying, okay, I've given you this message, right, of reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation, of, of restore, restoration of relationship. That's now your job. I did it. I gave that to you. That's now your job. Go do it. Right? And he's saying he's going to make his appeal through us, right? And he's imploring the world, be reconciled to God. That's our ministry. If you didn't know it, you're in the ministry. If you follow Jesus, you have been called. Anointed, go. You're called to ministry. You're called to this ministry and this message of reconciliation. You're called to love. And God has entrusted you with the responsibility of helping all people experience freedom and fellowship. So this same way that God shines light into our lives and helps you to find your purpose and begins to perform change in your life and change through your life to bring transformation, right? He's saying that same work is what I'm giving you as a job, as your assignment to go and bring to the world. Letting them know that their sins are not counted against them. Letting them know that they're loved and that they also have a purpose. Like I told y'all, I love my job. And my job is to help people figure out, okay, what is my purpose? Who, who is it that I'm supposed to be in Christ? What is it that I'm supposed to do? This is it. This is it. It's helping you to understand that you're not a bystander in the ministry. That's why I have to encourage you on a Sunday to lift your hands and to sing because you're not a bystander. You are an active participant in the ministry of God. And he does that through his son. Okay, right, you might be thinking, okay, look, I, I, I get that. I, 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 I don't want to get it, but I get that. I have a ministry now, that there's something that God wants to do through me. But pastor, if I look in this world, you're telling me to go to all people and to love all people? Man, that's hard in, in this climate. Amen. That's hard in this culture. 
That's hard with how we see one another and how we talk about one another and at one another. Because we're not talking to one another, right? We're talking at one another and about one another. How, how do I do that? How can we do that in, in, in a culture that's so polarized, and that's so divided? It's by taking the same approach that Jesus does. It's this. It's we're all heart. We're all heart. That's how you do it. We're all heart. It's this approach that says no matter what people look like, that no matter what they've been through or where, they're, where they come from, that they're loved by God. Yes. That's how you do it in this climate, in this culture, with all the polar, polarization and division that we see so prevalent in, in the country and, and in the world today. We do that by being all heart, by taking that approach, by seeing people and no matter what, they look like what they've been through, what they've come from, to show them that they are loved by God. And we make a choice. We choose to love who and what God loves. We choose to love who and what God's love. God said that he so loved the world. That means that I make a choice to love the world. And I make a choice to love everyone that lives there, right? We love our city. By our city, I mean everyone that's in our circle, right? So it starts with your family, and you got your friends and your neighbors and, 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 and people that, right, your church people that starts to extend out. We love our city and every heart within it. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Well, they don't vote like I do. Everyone. Well, they're not the same color, skin color as I am. Everyone. They don't live in the same zip code that I do or the same city. Everyone. Every heart within it. In our culture, we allow love to lead every interaction. Every interaction that I have, love has to lead. Every encounter that I have, love has to lead. Every decision that I make, love has to lead. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Love first. Love first. Love first. Why do we love? 1 John 4, 19, we love first because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Before you ever made a decision to follow Jesus, you were loved first. Think about that. Before you ever made a decision to walk with him, you were loved first. In your messed up, jacked up, janky, attitude sinning, heathen self. He loved you in that condition first, before you ever followed him. Before you ever followed him, he loved you first. So many times, right, we place expectations on non-believers. We place expectations on family and friends that they're going to be all these things and then I'm going to love them. Y'all hearing me? Come on now, y'all help me out today, right? We place these expectations on people that, man, they have to be right, right? But if we're going to love like Jesus loved, and that's what I'm encouraging us to do, the expectation is really lies on us, is to love them first. And through loving them, we show them what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
We show it through that. And that's why we have to love all just as he loves all. Right? First John 4.20 says, it says, whoever claims to love God, here it is. It's a verse that we don't like to hear. Whoever loves God yet claims to, yet, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. You cannot hate people and claim that you love God. You cannot claim God and, and, and hate the liberal leftist that lives in your neighborhood. Oh, Jesus. You cannot claim that you love God and, and, and hate the right-wing Republican that lives on your street. Oh, no. You cannot claim that you love God and hate the Green Party person or the Libertarian person or the Black person or the White person or the Asian person or the Native American person or the Latinx person. We cannot do that any longer and claim that we love God. We are lying if we do that. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Think about it this way. You're not the one that went to the cross. You didn't go to the cross. But many times we, right, we act as if we, we have this right of exclusive ownership when it comes to salvation or when it comes to righteousness. We think that, oh, it's, it's me plus my three and no more. That's it. It's everybody in my family, everybody that, that's in my voting block, everybody that's, that's in my neighborhood or my street or my city. That's it. That's all who really loves Jesus. No, you are a liar. The righteousness, Romans 3.22 says, the righteousness, right, that right standing with God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they come from. It doesn't matter what they've been through. It's, it's given to all who believe in Christ, to all who make that decision to follow Jesus. Look, it says it here, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between black and white. There's no difference between Republican and Democrat. There's no difference between all these things that we separate in our lives. Why? For all have sinned. We've all come up short. Come on, can I get an amen right there? We've all come up short of the glory of God and are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love all and love well and do it with no expectation of reciprocity. Do, do it, right? Love expecting to receive a benefit or, or thinking that, man, I'm good. man, if I love them, then, man, they're going to start thinking like me or I want them to reward me or thank me. Or, man, don't think in that way. Do it with, with, without a thought of reciprocity, right? But love recognizing that you have already received the greatest benefit and simply desire that others receive the same. This requires us to act in the best interest of others, of somebody else. Genuinely seek that they would achieve all of the goodness that God has for them, that they would be a disciple of Jesus as well, and that they'd also experience the same freedom and fellowship that you enjoy. The reason why so many of us have stopped going forward in our lives is that somewhere along the way, we stopped loving people. Something happened. Some place in our lives, we got, so, so we was talking about this earlier, we got stuck in this place of offense. 
Some of it was for a single person. Some of it was for whole groups of people. And we stopped seeing people at their heart. We stopped seeing people the way that God sees them. Lord, forgive us. Jesus says in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, the most reviled in that culture, doing that? And if you greet your own people, only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that, those who unbelieve? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. You need to develop a perspective that says, I'm going to be all heart. Even further, you have to develop a perspective that says, I'm going to be all heart, even when they're not. I'm going to look at people this way, even when they may not see me that way. And that's hard. Your love has the power to cover a multitude of sins of others. 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It's the same type of love that led Jesus to the cross for you. And that's why Jesus says in Luke 10, he tells the disciples, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There's none. Being in a relationship with, with God requires that we love him first and that we allow his love to not only exist or prevail in our lives and our devotion to him, but that it carries over into our everyday relationships, that it goes over into how we interact with people. Why? Because we have a ministry of reconciliation. How can we fulfill that calling if we see people not the way that God sees them? We have to see them as he sees them. In order to go forward effectively, you have to start loving unconditionally. And that is the love of Christ. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. I'm, I'm closing here. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I can no longer see my brother or my sister who, who, who is different than me and see them from a perspective that is not like God's. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's skin color against them, not counting people's politics against them, not counting people's economic status against them, not, not counting people's mistakes against them, 
not counting people's, look, their words that they may have said that offended you against them. Not counting people's ideas or their beliefs against them. He has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us to the world. Telling the world, hey, I actually want you to be reconciled to God. I'm not holding your sins against you any longer. I've given you a pathway out of what you've been through. I've told you I give you four ways every week, four things that you can do. Here's the four this week. How can you live this all-heart life, this perspective? Regard no one from a worldly point of view. When you see people, make a choice, make a decision. Lord, help me to see them as you see them. How can you live this all-heart out? See the potential of a new creation in everyone. I know what the old looks like. I know who they were in their past, but I see the potential of who they could be in Christ. Embrace your ministry, your ministry of reconciliation. God has equipped you specifically with your identity, your your thoughts, your words. You're not going to it like I would do it. You're going to do it like you would do it. Embrace your ministry. What has God placed in your hands to help you be effective in reaching the world? It's not all going to be the same. It's unique to you. But specifically through you, God is going to bring the world to him. He's going to reconcile the world to himself. Fourth one I'll give you is this, is to be an ambassador. Go and implore through your love. Implore people. Implore that family member. Implore that coworker, that neighbor, that friend. Implore that person that you don't agree with through love. Implore, implore that person that you don't look like through love. Why should we do this? We love because he first loved us. God specifically sent Jesus, and Jesus made a decision to go to the cross specifically because he was all heart. And he did this, all of these things. He saw the potential in you, even in the condition that you were in. He didn't regard you from from, from the way that the world might have seen you or the things that they might have said about you. He embraced his job, his ministry of reconciliation. And look, what what did he do? He was an ambassador for God. And he implored you how? It wasn't through condemning you because of your sins. It wasn't through making you feel bad. It wasn't through even pointing out your differences. He said, you know what? I'm I'm just going to love you. I'm going to love you even when you're not loving me. That's who we serve. That's if you want to go want to know how we go forward in our lives through loving first because we were first loved. You want to take a step with family members and people that you haven't talked to or people that are different than you? Hey, love first. I encourage you, I challenge you, 
to love first. That's how you're going to go forward. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.